Okay, I have the privilege of introducing dear friends of ours to you. Uh, two weeks ago, come on guys. <laughs> two weeks ago I presented the uh, missions budget and talked about our work in uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, uh, really a brother to me, an elder brother to me, Velapi, who, grew, who I grew up with, and uh, the work that they do in Zimbabwe. And so Velapi's going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, and actually Kelly has decided not to preach as a result. Uh, and so even though it says something different on the agenda, that's actually what you're going to get. And so, But it's, you're in for a treat, as Velapi tells you, about the work that they do there. And so let me just uh, pray for them as we get started here. Dear God, we just uh, thank you so much for the wonderful work the Velapi and Stella do in Zimbabwe and uh, the tremendous efforts that they make uh, personally, but also as a community to raise up the church in Zimbabwe to be what you want it to be, God. And we just uh, thank you for their work, and we just pray that you will glorify, uh, you will be glorified by it, and that you will strengthen the church there. Just be with Velapi as he speaks to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ron. Well, I bring you greetings from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is uh, a country south of uh, Africa, just is a neighbor to South Africa, and uh, we are about 14 million, the population, and our work is centered in the southern part of uh, Zimbabwe, in Matabeleland. Um, coming back here, as I've said before, is like uh, we are coming back home. Why? Because we once visited with you, some of you, um, I'm I'm sure you remember, in 2009. And not only that, but uh, we have had some of you visit us in Zimbabwe. And I can see some of the faces here. Cassidy brought a team uh, in Zimbabwe, and they really enjoyed their stay there. And I'm sure that uh, they are planning to come back, and we are looking forward to that. So coming back here is like coming back, you know, home, uh, our second home in Canada. I, am, I was born 62 years ago, a long time ago. Um, and my wife uh, is uh, three years younger than me, so you can <laughs> make out the difference there. Um, we are married, of course, and we, the Lord blessed us with uh, three children, two girls and a boy. Um, somehow, along the line, they developed wings, and they all flew away from home. So it's only the two of us left, but we do have small kids, AIDS orphans, whom we are taking care of now. Um, before we got married... I, was, I went for a preacher training program that was at Norway Bible School in uh, Mashonaland. That was in 1968, and I finished, I graduated in, in 1971. And soon after graduation, uh, I was adopted by uh, um, Leonard and Mabel Bailey whom today I call my father and my dad, because they nurtured us, you know, spiritually. And we did the Lord's work together, 
we would go out, you know, in the rural areas, you know, to preach. Sometimes we would go out as a family when schools, you know, closed. And I remember as boys, we went to one area and as young people, you know, we use catapults. I don't know what you call them here. I haven't seen a catapult here. Okay, slingshot. Okay. Well, four of us boys uh, took our slingshots and we went to hunt, you know, for birds. I remember that afternoon we killed so many birds. So when we brought them, you know, to, to mom to cook, instead of mom being happy, you know, that, oh, you, she wept. Boys, why did you kill all these birds? I remember her, you know, weeping, you know, crying. Why did you kill these birds, you know? I felt so sorry. Since that day, I've never killed a single bird. <laughs> So that's how we were brought up and uh, we went out on preaching trips and with dad we would uh, be out there at least for 10 days and we would go, you know, preaching from village to village. We would go out there with a, a, a truck and a small tent and camp out there and people would come. Uh, during the day we would preach to them and in the evening we would also go to villages and preach to them. So many congregations were planted. And uh, when the Baileys decided to come to Canada between 1977 and, 19, uh, and 1979, we went, Stella and I went to Mutare Bible School to help teach or train men, you know, to be preachers. Then it so happened that uh, in 1982, I left the Mutare Bible School and joined a broadcasting station, which was Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation. So I worked there as a producer, presenter, and also presented uh, television news, radio and television news. And um, I rose through the ranks up to deputy director, and uh, I ended up working at Montreux Studios in Bulawayo. And uh, during that time, we also started a radio program called More Than Conquerors. So we would, uh, I called three elders of the church, and I was the anchor person, and we produced the prog this program and preached to millions of people. It was supported by a congregation in West Louisiana, in West Monroe in Louisiana for a number of years until we stopped producing it because of the cost. You know, it was too costly, you know, to support it. But that program really uh, was listened to by millions of people, not only in Zimbabwe, but in all Southern African countries. And then from 2000, uh, during that particular period, Mom Mabel, after uh, dad passed away, mom continued to send us money so that we could continue, you know, with the work which, you know, uh, uh, dad started, that is preaching mostly in the rural areas. It so happened that uh, in 2002, Stella and I decided to quit the job. We resigned and then went to start a World Bible School office in Bulawayo, whereby we would um, teach as many people as possible through correspondence work. That's what we did since 2002, up to date. And so far, 
I'm happy to report to you, my brothers and sisters, that um, we have baptized 2,575 souls, and we have planted 42 uh, congregations, and we have taught 15,862 World Bible School students. And we also have uh, are teaching 472 junior students. Junior students meaning those kids roughly from the age of 10 up to 14. And we are doing this because of the support that you give, you know, to the work in Zimbabwe. You are not sending that support to us, but you are doing the preaching yourselves. So we have come here to give this, this report to show the good work that you are giving. Because many times when you give, just as, you know, you have given now, you, you, sometimes you never know where that money will end, and you, you are not sure where it will go. But I'm sure that you are happy that I'm here today to report to you that what you are doing is marvelous. You are reaching out, you know, to many souls. The gifts that you are giving are enabling us you see, to go out there and do the work of the Lord. And as I've indicated earlier in my introduction, yes, it is good for us to come here, for, for Stella and I to come here and give this report after some time, two or three years, so that you know that your money is well catered for. But it is good as well for you, my brothers and sisters, for you to come to Zimbabwe to visit us and see the work for yourselves. You know, we are a, a warm, loving people. And when you come, I'm sure you'll not only come once, but twice and three times and four times and I don't know how many times. We are now looking forward to Gwen and my son-in-law there, you know, to, to visit us someday. And not only them, but, you know, if you think of, you know, in some, I understand here that in some, many people leave their homes they go to their cabins, some go to Gulf of Mexico, others, you know, the Guatemala and whatever it is. Why not put Zimbabwe in your plans? <laughs> and say, hey, this time we want to visit Stella and Velapi in, in Bulawayo and also see, you know, the Lord's work. You are not going to regret because one thing for sure that we are going to do, we are going to take you to a place where you are going to work with lions. We are going to take you to a place where you are going to ride, you know, elephants. We are going to take you to a place where you are going to see, you know, um, what do you call rocks, Matopo? Balancing rocks. Not that when you, they balance like this, but they, you know, you wonder that from creation, you know, rocks so balanced that a small one is holding a huge rock. And you wonder how it is. I'm sure in physics, those who have done physics, a small thing cannot hold a bigger thing. But that's how it is in Matopos. It's so beautiful. I'm saying this just to lure you, you know, to come to Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we, we, we do, the work that we do uh, is, is really wonderful, my brothers and sisters, because what we do is we have two annual leadership courses. As I've said, that we have planted 42 congregations. So it is impossible for us to go 
in those 42 congregations you see teach them Sunday after Sunday. It would just be impossible. So what we are doing, we are now, we have, we are, we are now coming up with a, a program whereby we are teaching, you know, preachers how to be preachers and how to take care of congregations. Because what we have noticed happening in many laws churches is that many preachers, you know, expect people to come to church. They don't go, you know, to, to invite people to come to church. But they expect people to come to church. You know, when I was reading uh, Matthew chapter 22, there is a king, you know, who made a great feast and told his servants, go invite people to come and, and, and have this feast and eat, you know, with us. They were told to go and invite. They were not told to go and preach. You see? And the scripture said they went and invited. Of course, others were antagonistic. Some were killed, some were beaten, some, you know, they did not come. But the, 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 the bottom line, my brothers and sisters, is that they went and invited people. Even after they failed the first time, they went again the second time and many people came. If you read Matthew chapter 22. So you will find that it's necessary that leaders or even all Christians are taught how to win souls. Imagine how many individually, how many people we meet during the, during the week, during the month, during the year. And yet we never mention Christ. We talk about, uh, about uh, the, long, the long winter. I've heard people talking about the long winter this year. You know, we talk about politics that, you know, we are going, who are we going to choose? We talk about that. We, we talk about many things, the, the, the high cost of living. We, we talk about that with our relatives, with our neighbors, we talk about that. We talk about many, many, many other things. But when it comes to just inviting someone to say, hi, oh, you know what, Dorothy, would you please come and worship with us this Sunday? We don't do it for some reason. So we are saying, let us go to basics. We want to teach these men that the church should be taught to be evangelistic in, in nature. Just to invite. The church should be taught to invite people to come to Christ. So this is one of the programs that we are doing. Another program that we do is uh, gospel meetings. We also have gospel meetings. You supported us in buying a huge tent. Maybe you did not know this, but I'm telling you today. So some of the money, we used it to buy a huge tent which can accommodate 300 people. So we normally take this tent and go and, and pitch it in, 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 the, in, in the rural areas. Here maybe you call it what native, whatever, areas, whatever it is. So that's what we do. We pitch it out there and we invite, you know, villagers to come. And we preach to them during the day and we preach to them, you know, during the night as well. So if they are converted, we baptize them. And we use the truck which you helped us buy the truck. We have a very good truck. So sometimes we drive for 50 kilometers. Sometimes we go for 75 or 100 kilometers. Sometimes we pick them from the rural area there, drive them to the city, you know, for baptism. Because our country is, is unlike Canada. In Canada, when you fly in uh, to the airport, you, you are really surprised. You find water, 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 water. Everywhere where you go, there is water. 
not water. Because I remember one time when we were visiting at a restaurant, you know, in New York, I said to one guy who was serving us food, may I please have a glass of water? And, and this guy said, what? Water? What are you talking about? I said, yes, may I have a glass of water? Then he said, can you demonstrate? Then I took a glass and I said, he said, oh, that's water. <laughs> you want water? From there, I said, oh, yes, I want water. <laughs> said, no problem. I said, no, there is no problem. I said, I'm saying no problem. Then he gave me some water. So when you come to Canada, you, you see there is so much water. Everywhere water. But when you go to Zimbabwe, those who have been to Zimbabwe, some of my friends here, ah, one stream is here, another one, you know, and not only that, but there is a time also, you know, during winter and other times uh, when it's dry, completely dry. So sometimes we take these people, you know, to those places uh, with our truck, you know, to baptize them. And uh, the, the beautiful part of it is that when we take them for baptism, they will be singing, you know, gospel songs, religious songs all the way, you see. Peace, perfect peace, you know, as we go along. Jesus loves me as we were singing. You know, we baptize someone. When we come back, they will be singing as well. You know, Jesus, Nisha, Maria, you know, as, as we drive. So I'll, I'll be driving. Still, I'll be sitting by my side. And, you know, I'll be driving. And that particular track, we have nicknamed it the Gospel Beaver. Because it does lots of work. There are times that we use it also, you know, to, um, to carry people to hospital. Because some villages, you know, don't have clinics nearby. Hospitals are far away. And uh, I've uh, mentioned this before, but I would like to repeat this particular story. When we went to Binga, a, a remote area, very far, no clinics, you know, a man and his wife quarreled uh, at night. I don't know whether men and women quarrel at night, I'm not sure. But anyway, they quarreled during the night. And this was night because it was around 12 midnight. When we found out, they quarreled because the man wanted to take a second wife. And the wife said, no ways, you cannot do that. But the man said, yes, I'm going to do it. And this lady said, no ways, over my dead body. And what she did was she took a herbicide and drank it. You see? So after drinking it, herbicide is poisonous. She collapsed. Then someone uh, had seen us passing by. So they ran to the place where we were and called us to come and pick this lady, take her, you know, to hospital. At night... So when we got there, the villagers had, uh, you know, we call it at home first aid. I don't know here what you call it. When somebody is, is involved in an accident, you have to do something, you know, to help that person leave. First aid. So they went to the crawl, or crawl meaning where you keep um, cattle. Yeah, you say corral, something like that, corral. Now I'm learning a new, you know. Uh, pronunciation. They went there, they took cow dung, you know, fresh cow dung. They put it in warm water, you know, they, you know, steered it, 
And then they forced it, this lady to drink, you know, until the stomach, you know, was, was full. And then the lady began to vomit. You know, and that way uh, she vomited poison. I didn't know that, you know, you can apply such a, such a you know, a cow, you can use cow dung, you know, to, 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 to save a person. Maybe Canadians, you can borrow that one, you know, and use it when somebody <laughs> drinks poison. <laughs> you see? But anyway, we, we, we took this lady, you know, to, 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 to the nearest hospital, which was more than 20 kilometers away. And when we reached there, the doctor, the first question the doctor asked was, what did you do? What, what first aid did you do to this lady? So the people said, well, we, we took cow dung, we did this, we, we made a drink, and she, she vomited. The doctor said, very good, very good. That's good. So the doctor put on, you know, other medications, and the, and the lady's alive today. You see? So because of the gospel, that vehicle, the gospel beaver, you see, it helps. So this is why, brethren, we are saying the work that you do is really tremendous. What we have also, we do have ladies, you know, meetings. Ladies also do meet. Um, of course, they do the teachings themselves. They preach to themselves, and we help them with the infrastructure or whatever is needed. And when, when, when ladies do this, we men do the cooking. Brother Ron probably didn't know this. Whenever ladies are having their... There are meetings, we men, you know, do, do the cooking, you know. And we don't cook in small pots, but we cook in drums, you know. So you, re- you really need muscles, you know, to, to, you know, to, do, to, to cook the sadza or isichwala, the nsima, you know. But this is what we do. And uh, this really has helped, you know, the church also to grow. We have also youth meetings. Uh, there was a time I remember recently we had a youth meeting, or you call it vacation year, I'm not sure. But anyway, we also have youth meetings because we feel that they are very, very important. Someone said that, uh, uh, you know, apostasy is just a generation away, a decade away. If you leave young people behind, the church will, 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 will die. So we, we have, you know, these, these uh, programs whereby we go out, you know, with the youths and try to teach them uh, to understand the will of God because they are the future church of tomorrow. They are the future leaders of tomorrow. So this is one of the programs also that we have. Now, what is the way forward? The way forward is that uh, we are continuing making disciples for Christ. We shall continue, you know, baptizing. And we shall continue to work with the rural congregations. This is our main thrust now. We realize that if we continue preaching, as I said to my brother and sister there some few minutes ago, that if we only concentrate on, on, on uh, uh, teaching, preaching to people, uh, baptizing them, then we go to one area, we preach, we baptize, and we don't teach, we would be wasting a time. Because sooner or later, those people are going to die spiritually. It's just like when you have a child. You know, you have a child and you don't give that child, you don't feed it with milk. What will happen to the child? The child will be malnourished, and the sooner the child will die. So similarly, we can plant 100 churches, but if we don't concentrate on teaching those churches, those congregations will die. So we are now concentrating more so on uh, 
fortifying the faith of our brothers and sisters, you know, in those churches. So that whether we are alive or the Lord takes us home, they will continue, you know, ministering or preaching uh, to others. Just as, as, as Paul said in the book of Timothy, that, you know, teach this to faithful men, who will also teach, you know, others. So this is what, you know, we are doing. Um, I, I, I would like to, to, to end by thanking you so much for the good work that you are doing in supporting of the Lord's work in Zimbabwe. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 12, verse number 3, it reads that those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the, of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You see? Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So when you lead someone to righteousness, the Lord promises that you are going to shine like a star, not only for a short period, not only for 5,000 years or 50, but forever and ever. So what you are doing, um, brothers and sisters here at Calgary, by supporting the Lord's work, it enables us to win many lost souls. You might say we are the ones who are doing it, but we think you are the one who is doing it through us. We are just a conduit. You are doing it through us. You are winning lost souls. And I believe and I'm convinced that one day, on that great day when our Lord comes, he will say, well done, my good and faithful children. You see, you did this to this, you did it to me. Here is your reward. Enter into eternal life. How wonderful it will be. So thank you very much. I don't know if you do have questions. Brother Kelly, I know you have. <laughs> he was here for the first service, so he knows there were some questions. First of all... Um, I want to say thank you very much for coming and being with us today. We'd originally planned that uh, Valape would just offer a uh, kind of ministry minute and let us know what was going on. And what he did in the first service like this just kept going in wonderful ways in terms of, of sharing with what uh, he was doing. And we just, after a while, I thought, I don't need to preach today because the Lord is preaching right now. And I was just so grateful for Valapi, for Valapi's presence and Stella. It's just wonderful to have you here. But there are a couple of things just quickly I wanted to ask you, or I'll kind of make a comment and then, and then you can kind of respond. When I was at Pepperdine University uh, a couple of years ago, they were talking, uh, there was a special session in the morning specifically about African missions. And there were a number of things that came out of that that were extremely encouraging, and what he's doing in Zimbabwe is very much part of this. One thing was that I mentioned this in the first service. In 1965, there were no churches of Christ in the nation of Ghana. Today, there are 1,200. Now, you think, wow, well, okay, that's a while, but 1,200 churches, you know, in, uh, what's that, uh, you know, 50 years, basically, is, you know, you know, that's, um, you know, that's maybe reasonable, but it, I don't know that it really is reasonable. Like, I think the Lord has done something there, and I think that it's fantastic that he has. I mean, by comparison... There's 1,200 churches in Ghana, and there were none until 1965. We have about 145 or so churches of Christ in Canada. 145 as opposed to 1,200 in the nation of Ghana. They have 
these gatherings. And what was the name of the gatherings? Uh, you said Africans for Africa or something? Oh, yes. Africans what? winning uh, Africa for Christ. Right. I, I heard about this when I was at Pepperdine a couple of years ago. Africans winning Christ, uh, Africa for Christ. And they have thousands mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. who show up for these gatherings. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could just spoke, speak to that for a moment. Uh, what's happening with Africa winning Africans for Africa? <laughs> All right, Africa Winning Africans for Christ is a program we started in Nairobi in Kenya some few years ago, whereby uh, church leaders came together um, and then, uh, of course, with the help of some of our brethren like Shoemaker, Sam Shoemaker and others, um, to try to encourage each other. How can we win, you know, Africa for Christ? So the whole theme really is to Encourage, encourage, motivate, motivate time and again each other. How we can, you know, work harder and harder in winning lost souls for Christ. Um, the last uh, meeting we had was uh, in uh, Haberone in Botswana, whereby almost 3,000, 3 to 4,000, you know, um, uh, people attended from all over Africa, from Congo, from from Ghana, from, from Nigeria, from Kenya, you know, from all, of, all those countries, you know, coming together, mm-hmm. um, giving glory to God and encouraging each other to march as Christian soldiers, you know, for Christ. So this is precisely what we are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, before Ron's dad went uh, to Z- uh, Zambia and Zimbabwe uh, when he did, I don't know, what year did your dad go there, Ron, do you know? Okay. Uh, that's perfect uh, in terms of what I was thinking. That makes Leonard one of the earliest Church of Christ minist- uh, missionaries into Africa, and especially that part of Africa. And so, uh, like, I, I know some of these things because of the connection, of course, that our family has to Zambia and Zimbabwe and, and what we do with Zambia Mission Fund Canada and all of that. And so I'm pretty familiar with some of these things. And it's beautiful because Leonard's dad went there in the 30s when, of course, there were like zero mm-hmm. in terms of congregations. Mm-hmm. And then since then, all of this has just flourished. Mm-hmm. There are today, uh, I, I understand, and I asked Vlopi if he could verify this, and he didn't know, which, which is fine. But I, I heard when I was at Pepperdine this year that there are about 13,000 congregations of Churches of Christ in Africa. And there are about 13,000 Churches of Christ in North America. Now just think about that. There are now as many churches of Christ in Africa as there are in North America. And if things continue the way they are, and it's not surprising to me that they would, as things continue, that's obviously going to grow. And we're going to find ourselves uh, with a larger number <laughs> of churches and Christians in Africa than what we have in North America. And I said to Vlopi in the first service, I said, so when are you going to come and be our missionary here? When are you going to come and do your work here? And there's a sense in which that's, you know, that's not an absurd way of thinking Mm -hmm. because we have so much need here in North America. And while we find our society being less attracted by the gospel, theirs is more and more attracted Mm -hmm. by the gospel. Um, We're pretty much out of time. But I am so grateful for you being with us this morning. This has been a rich blessing indeed. One other comment that, uh, that did come up in the first service that uh, he made a comment that was very interesting was he was talking about how, and we've heard how um, 
in Nigeria recently, there was a situation where the 300 girls, I think it was 300, that were um, abducted and taken. And I don't think that we yet have had a resolution there. Robin and I have been on holidays, so I was kind of getting the news and all of that and everything. But uh, I asked him about the presence of Islam within that portion of Africa, in the Zambia. in Zambia, Zimbabwe, and all that. And he made the comment this morning that it's essentially exactly reversed in terms of the impact. That Christianity is having way more impact in that part of the world uh, than Islam is. Very little impact by Islam, lots of impact by Christianity uh, among the African people. And he even made the comment this morning, uh, not so much in the rural areas, but really in the villages. And so you think about the vast number of villages in rural Africa and the gospel is spreading among all of these people in a wonderful way. And it's because of people like Falape. So we really praise the Lord for what he's doing. Yeah.